This is the Homestead Journey Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the pursuit of self-sufficiency, self-reliance, and sustainability. This is episode number 64 of the Homestead Journey Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here on the Homestead Journey. My name is Brian Wells. I am coming to you from 3B Farm and Homestead here in beautiful upstate New York. And first of all, let me simply start by saying Happy New Year to you. Uh, I am so glad, and I think probably just about everybody is with me on this one. I am so glad to turn the page from 2020 over to 2021. Now, certainly we do not know what 2021 holds for us, but I am very glad that 2020 has come to a close. It was a very difficult year, I think, for many of us, and I am just glad that it is over with. To be fair and to be honest, I was very, very blessed in 2020, both from a personal perspective as well as here on the homestead, and so I do have a lot to be thankful for, and I look at what some people have gone through, and certainly my situation um, has not been dire like theirs. So I do want to thank God for that. But just being honest, glad that 2020 is over. Now, we did have some excellent things happen since I talked to you last. It's been a bit, and it feels like it's been longer because, as you know, I recorded last week's episode uh, about a week and a half ago. So I feel a little bit out of sync here. So it's going to take me a little bit to get into the groove. But since we last talked, we broke the 50,000 download mark. And so first of all, let me simply say thank you to you for being a part of that. And I'm just so grateful for everyone who has uh, taken the time to listen to me blather on about homesteading. Uh, Thank you so much to those of you who have been a part of this journey since day one. Those of you who are new listeners, I really appreciate it. And so here's to 50,000 more. We'll see where life takes us, but a very thankful and grateful um, for having reached that milestone. So having said all of that, let me jump into this week's Homestead Happenings. And to be honest, this is probably going to be about a week and a half of homestead happenings, but whatever. I'll bring you up to speed with what we've been doing here on 3B Farm and Homestead. So since we last talked, a lot of what we've been doing here on the homestead has revolved around good old one nut Jack. So as you may recall, my dad and I set one nut jack over the rainbow a couple of weeks ago, and then we butchered him up and we had uh, smoked ribs and smoked loin for Christmas. And then since then, I have been utilizing the other parts of one nut jack here on the homestead. So uh, I have a couple of hams in salt that I need to get out either today or tomorrow, and we'll be hanging those in the basement to cure for I don't know. We'll see how long. I've got one ham still down there from two years ago that I need to cut into, but we'll be turning those into prosciutto. And so if you follow us on Instagram or Facebook, 
And if you don't, why not? <laughs> you would have seen the pictures of me putting those in the salt box. And so anyhow, if you are interested in following us on Instagram and Facebook, the links are in the show notes and you definitely can do that. It'll keep you up to date with what we've been doing here on the homestead. I also tried my hand at sausage for the first time. And it, I'm not going to say it was an abject failure, but stuffing the sausage certainly was. And I ended up bailing on that because I made a very strategic mistake. And that is that I ground the pork twice before I ever went to stuff it. And so when I started stuffing the casing, in essence, what I was doing was creating almost like this mush that's more akin to a hot dog filling than it is to a sausage filling. And then to make matters worse, I ended up overstuffing the cases, which meant they split. And so I realized what was going on. I tapped out and I just froze it as bulk sausage this go round. So next time I know what to do differently. And so hopefully my stuffed sausage links will come out better. The taste is great. I fried up um, a patty in my cast iron skillet or one of our cast iron skillets. And it was just absolutely, um, it, it was just very, very tasty. Um, and so we do have some bulk. I, I did a, a batch of sweet sausage this time. And so very excited about having that in the freezer. The last thing that we're doing is we are making bacon. This is the first time that I'm making homestead bacon. Normally we've had that done by the butcher where we take the hogs to have them processed. And so I have two different styles, one with cure number one in it and one without. And so I've got those in bags in the fridge downstairs. I've been turning them. And probably next weekend, I will go ahead and uh, borrow my dad's smoker again, and I'll smoke those. And so very excited about having home homemade bacon. Um, that's what it's all about, right? That's why we raise these pigs is for the bacon and for the ham and for the pork chops and all of those kinds of things. Um, the last thing I did with One Nut Jack is I rendered out the lard. Uh, so I rendered the fat down into lard. And so very happy to have more lard for uh, cooking and baking and so forth here on the homestead. Last thing I've been doing is uh, perusing seed catalogs. And I think many of us are. Now, some of you may already have your seed orders in and kudos to you but I'm just really taking my time and enjoying and kind of sifting through. I still need to pull out my seed um, reserves and do an inventory to see what I exactly need to buy, but it still is very, very enjoyable to look through the catalogs and start jotting down some notes of things that I want to try this coming year. So anyhow, that's what I've been doing here on 3B Farm and Homestead since we last talked. I hope things are well wherever you might be. Before we jump into this week's Charting the Course, if you would like to support the show, you can do so in several ways. First of all, you can support us by simply leaving us a review or a rating on your favorite podcast platform. I would really appreciate that. That's going to help other people find the show and kind of bump me up a little bit in the ratings. Secondly, you can support the show by sharing it with other people. So if you 
there's an episode that was particularly meaningful to you, uh, share that with friends, family, and I would really, really appreciate that. Finally, you can support the show by heading on over to our website, thehomesteadjourney.net slash shop. And there you will find a link to our t-shirt shop where we have fabulous t-shirt designs. And then you will also find a bunch of links to products that we use on our homestead. And not only do we use them, we recommend them. So if it makes its way onto that list. It's not that I'm just trying to push it because I want to make a few cents off of you. It's because we genuinely use those products, enjoy them and find them useful and think you might as well. And so if you buy through those links, those are Amazon affiliate links. A portion of that does come back to help support the show. All right, let's head on over to this week's Charting the Course. So this is the time of year when everyone is setting goals, whether it's personally, we refer to them as New Year's resolutions. Uh, Professionally, a lot of uh, businesses will set goals for the year. And if you're into homesteading and you follow people on homestead sites or people who are content creators, YouTubers, and so forth, there is going to be a lot of talk over the next couple of weeks about goals that people have for 2020. And I 2020. Oh, Lord, help us. I can't get it out of my head. 2021. (laughs) And all of that is great. Um, There is certainly nothing wrong whatsoever uh, about setting goals or resolutions or whatnot. um, And with a hope of bettering ourselves, both professionally and personally. As I reflect, though, back on 2020, I will tell you that some of the things, in fact, many of the goals that I had for 2020 um, got changed. Life simply had other plans. And there were a lot of things that I, I shouldn't say a lot of things, but there were several things that I set out to do at the beginning of 2020 that I pivoted away from um, because I felt like there were other more important things that I needed to focus on. So I think that goals are great, but I also think that flexibility is key. Sometimes life happens. Sometimes we need to pivot and that's okay. But sometimes we fail at meeting our goals because we really set ourselves up for failure from the get-go. And there's a number of reasons why that happens. Sometimes we try to tackle too many things at one time. We try to tackle way too many goals in too short of of a time frame, and we simply overwhelm ourselves. Sometimes we tackle things that maybe, well, we're not ready for at that particular point in time. It's kind of like we're trying to run before we know how to walk. And there's a a whole lot of other things that we could talk about. The list of reasons why goals fail could go on and on and on. But today I want to, I don't want to focus on the negative. Today, what I want to do is I want to talk about a well-known goal setting framework used by successful businesses such as Walmart called SMART Goals. Now, this is a system that's been around for a very, very long time. Well, when I say a very long time, since the 80s. Now, 
I know for many of us, that's not a long time ago. My my son sometimes will say to me, dad, back in the olden days, back in the 1980s, what was X, Y, or Z like? And I want to slap him into the middle next week. <laughs> but this is a, a framework that was, as, as my research indicates, it was initially written down in 1981, I believe. So it's been around a while. And, and again, it's something that has been used by a lot of successful companies. I mean, Walmart, very successful company. They utilize this strategy, at least in part, in setting goals. Now, it's a mnemonic. And what that means is each letter of SMART stands for a, a different word. So it helps you remember um, the kind of the, the thought behind it. And if you research it at all, you will find that there is some variation to how some people apply this. Um, there's varying definitions, shall we say, to the different letters. But in general, and what we're going to use for sake of our discussion on this episode, is that it stands for specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. So those are kind of the thoughts that we want to have in our head as we sit down to establish our goals for our homestead. So the first, specific. We really want to be as specific as possible with the goals that we are trying to establish. Sometimes a part of the reason why we fail in establishing goals is that we're just too general about what we hope to accomplish. So for example, let's say that we want to get animals on our homestead. Well, that's rather general. Maybe a better goal is I want to get chickens this year for my homestead, or even better, I want to get a dozen chickens on my homestead this year. So ways that we can really kind of help drill down or really focus on specific goals is to use the five W's and one H, you know, the who, what, when, where, why, and how. So those questions, ask yourself those questions as you're establishing goals. What am I getting? Okay, I'm getting chickens. Who's getting them? Who's going to take care of them? Where are we going to put them? When are we going to get them? Why are we getting them? How are we going to take care of them? Ask yourself those goals to really help drill down to be as specific as possible. But we also want to be careful that we don't get too into the weeds. Um, so kind of a balancing act there. But the first thing is to really be as specific as possible in setting our goal. The second thing that we want to think about is measurable items. So we want to establish goals that have metrics that will give you at least some indicator of when you are successful in completing that goal. So again, going back to us getting chickens, to say that we're going to get animals, well, I guess we would say if we got animals, then we were successful in achieving that goal, right? But what if it was a hamster? Or what if it was a gerbil? Or what if it was a guinea pig? I mean, I guess you can, they eat guinea pigs in Peru, but I don't think your daughter, your son's gonna like it if you're eating their guinea pig. <laughs> I don't know, maybe maybe they'd be cool with it, but um, I don't think so. 
So again, we want to have measurable um, metrics. So giving, uh, getting a dozen chickens really gives us two metrics. First of all, we're going to get chickens. So we know what we're getting. And then we're going to get a dozen chickens. So we know how many. It, it has um, prescribed to us a certain number. So we know if we go out, we buy a dozen pullets, we have to a certain extent accomplished that goal. Now, that's a bit generalized, I know, because it's not just a matter of getting a dozen chickens or a dozen hens. We, we want them to live. <laughs> so it needs to go a little bit beyond that. But for sake of argument, we'll just keep it, try to keep it simple here. So getting a dozen chickens, again, it gives us measurable indicators to know when we are successful in accomplishing our goal. The third thing is attainable. So think about the skills, the time, and the resources that will be needed to accomplish this goal. If you're lacking in those areas, what can you do to gain the skills and the resources needed? Now, this is one of the areas where sometimes people say, well, SMART doesn't work because it only focuses on attainable goals and you really want to stretch yourself. Well, that's why I disagree with those people because when, when we're thinking about attainable, it's not just a matter of, okay, what skills do I have? It's what skills do I need and how can I stretch myself so that I can be successful in this endeavor? So when we think about whether or not something is attainable, it's helping us set ourselves up for success rather than for failure. So again, we're going to want to think about the skills that we need. We want to think about the equipment that we're going to need, the infrastructure we're going to need, the resources that we're going to need to be successful in completing this goal. So going back to our chicken example, maybe you've never raised chickens before. So you don't have that skill set, but that's okay. You shouldn't let that hold you back. But before you bring the chickens home, you should be thinking about, do I have housing for them? Do I have books? Do I have a place where uh, maybe it's a website, it's a group, it's a, a forum where I can ask questions or a mentor, somebody who can help me with raising chickens and how, how I'm going to uh, accumulate the skills necessary to take care of chickens. Um, think about how you're going to feed them. Do you have a, a source for feed? So again, thinking about the nuts and bolts, is this an attainable goal for me? Do I have the resources and the skills necessary? And how, if not, how can I acquire those skills and resources? Or can I hire somebody depending on what your goal is? Maybe you want to build a deck. You don't know how to build a deck. And you're somebody who, if you were to use a saw, you'd cut your left arm off. So maybe you want to hire a carpenter to build the deck. Um, but again, thinking about the skills and, and the resources and the equipment that's that's needed. But again, going back to our chickens, when we think about, okay, we're going to, our goal is to um, get a dozen chickens, right? That's our goal. Um, what if you live in a place that puts a cap on the number of chickens that you can have? So some places, suburban areas, maybe some villages and whatnot, put a limit on it. They say you can only have six hens. You can't have any roosters. Some people live in HOAs and they can't have chickens. So then again, is this an attainable goal? Are you willing to kind of 
sneak it by and hope that you can get by with a dozen when you're only allowed to have six? Are you going to work to change the zoning laws so that you can now have a dozen instead of six? So obviously at that point, you need to take, make tough choices. Maybe you're going to need to make work or you're going to need to work to change the laws and the regulations. But maybe at this point, getting chickens is not an attainable goal. And so maybe you need to think about setting a different goal for this year instead of an unattainable goal of getting a dozen chickens. So the third thing is relevant. So we're, again, smart. So we're specific, measurable, attainable, relevant. This is when you start asking yourself, why am I setting this goal? Is this something that fits within my overall strategy? Is this something that I'm doing because it is good for my homestead, for our homestead? Or am I doing this just because I've seen so-and-so do it? Or everybody says that in order to be a true homesteader, you have to have chickens. Um, Why are you wanting to do whatever it is? And it's not just about a matter of whether or not this fits into your overall plan as far as being a homesteader, but is this the right time for you to do it? So for example, again, going back to our chickens, if you're somebody who is on the road two or three weeks out of the month, then maybe now isn't the time to get chickens. So maybe in the future, your job situation changes or whatnot. Maybe then you would want to get chickens, but maybe right now it's not relevant to your particular situation. Or let's say that you're allergic to eggs. Does it make sense to get chickens for eggs when you can't eat the eggs? So just because everybody else says that chickens are the gateway drug to farming, (laughs) maybe they're not relevant to your situation. So maybe you should skip laying hens and maybe you should raise meat birds. So be careful when you are setting goals for your homestead that you are not trying to live someone else's homestead journey or you're not kind of getting out of sync with where you're at on your journey at this moment. So specific, measurable, attainable, relevant. The last item is time-bound. So when we think about time-bound, we're really thinking about a couple of things. When do you plan on tackling the goal? And then when do you plan on completing the goal? As you establish goals for your homestead, you need to think about the time of the year when you're going to work on or action these goals. So again, using our chickens as an example, you may be really, really excited about raising chickens. But if you live in northern New York, the northern part of the United States, probably right now, and as I record this, this is January of 2021, this is probably not the time that you're going to want to go out and get chickens, especially if you are someone who has never raised chickens before. January is not the time when people generally start chickens in upstate New York. But you also want to think about the other goals that you're going to be working on because you're probably going to be focused on a couple of different things, maybe three, four, whatever, uh, different goals for this year. And 
if you were to, for example, think about uh, you're going to get a dozen hens, but your goal is also to put in a garden and you want to get pigs this year, you're talking about three goals that would require a lot of heavy lifting during, generally speaking, the same time frame, at least here in upstate New York. Generally speaking, when people are putting in a garden is about the time that you would be getting chickens, which could be about the time that you would be getting piglets for a fall slaughter. And so that would be a lot of infrastructure that you would need to build all at once. And that certainly puts yourself in a bad predicament where you might not be successful in any of the endeavors. So maybe what you need to do is pick one or two of those and put the other one off to later in the year or maybe until next year. But the other part of time-bound involves setting realistic deadlines. You wanna be honest about when you plan on completing this. And that's really important for a number of different reasons. First of all, it helps hold you accountable that, okay, by this date, I want to have this done. That kind of gives you a little bit of a kick in the seat of the pants to propel you forward on down your journey. But also when you stop and you think about establishing a deadline, there's sometimes things that need to happen leading up to that. In fact, almost every time there's something that needs to happen leading up to that. So again, going back to our example of getting a dozen hens, if I have a date in mind, whatever it is, let's say June 15th, then I would need to think about, okay, I'm getting them on June 15th. What needs to happen before June 15th? If I'm raising them from chicks, I need to build a brooder. I'm going to need to have a coop set up so that when they're feathered out, they have a place to go. So again, having that deadline helps me know when I need to complete certain tasks leading up to the completion of this goal. So smart, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. So a couple of other thoughts with regards to establishing goals for your homestead. First of all, you don't have to wait until December or January to establish goals for your homestead. Now, certainly that's when a lot of people go through that exercise. It's just part of, I think, our way of thinking, new year, new me, all of those kinds of things. And so a lot of people put thought into establishing goals for their homestead or for their for, for themselves personally around the first of the year. But if you're running across this episode and it's July of 2022, you don't need to wait until December or January of 2023 to start working on goals for your homestead. You can go ahead and go through the exercise right now and really start thinking about um, the path that you want to take, the goals that you have for your homestead moving forward. You can start the journey right Now, another thing that I would challenge you to do is to set goals that are going to stretch you. In my opinion, goals should be challenging and transformative. And that's where sometimes we get a little, maybe it's there's there's a, a confusion between what is a goal and what is a project. I think a goal is potentially comprised of many projects, but a goal should be something, again, that's going to stretch you and and be transformative. Goals should take you out of your comfort zone a bit. They should stretch you. 
And that's okay. That's a good thing. Another thing that I would say is that you need to do this as much as you can as a family or as a team. If you have one person on the homestead that's setting the goals without input from anybody else on the homestead, that's probably not going to be a recipe for success. So as much as possible, involve input from everybody on the homestead. Finally, I would caution you. Most experts recommend working on a maximum of three goals at a time. Sometimes if the goal is big enough, you may only focus on one and that's okay. There isn't a correct number of goals, but many people say focus on three goals at a time. In fact, Nicole Sauce over at Living Free in Tennessee on that podcast, she talks about my three things. And that might be my three things as far as today's goals. It might be my three things as far as big picture goals, but really you don't want to stretch yourself too thin. Again, we talked about this at the beginning of the podcast. That's where a lot of people fail is they get so excited. They want to do all of the things. They want to grow all of the things and they end up burning themselves out. They overwhelm themselves and they're not successful doing any of the things. So to help you with all of this, I have developed a printable that is available for download. If you go over to thehomesteadjourney.net slash printables, um, you can sign up there. And this is actually the first part of the homesteading journal that I talked about a few months ago. Periodically throughout this year, I'm going to be releasing packets with the idea that you can print out the pages that are applicable to your homestead and put them in a three ring binder. And then at the end of the year, you will have a planner that is customized to your homestead. One of the complaints that I have about the pre-printed homestead planners that are available, and there's a lot of great ones out there, I'm not knocking them, but a lot of them have information in them or they track things that I really don't care about. Um, They have just things in there that aren't applicable to my situation. So they might have a section on goats. Well, I don't got goats. So that's wasted space in that journal. It's trees that died in vain (laughs) uh, for something that doesn't pertain to me. Another thing is, is that sometimes what happens is they might have um, gardening and animals and all of those things in the same homestead planner. And I don't necessarily want to bring a planner that I've had out in the chicken coop into my kitchen to keep track of my pantry, for example. So my thought process behind this, and I'm hoping that you guys will help me out on this, is that you can print out what matters to you and avoid wasting paper and ink on things that don't matter to you. And you can set it up however you want. So if you want a binder for the garden and a binder for the animals and a binder for inside, you can do that. And if you want to have a binder for everything, you can do that. Um, if you have all of these different binders at the end of the year, you can put it all together and have one nice packet for reference for that particular year. So that's my thought process. Let me know what you think about it. Um, but I will be releasing these packets throughout the year in hopefully anticipation of that season of homesteading as at least as it pertains to, well, me, because that's what it is about me, right? 
<laughs> no, but but hopefully it will be applicable to that time of the year. So the next thing that I'm going to be releasing is a section on um, seed starting and seed management and those seed inventory, those kinds of things. And then followed shortly by some garden printables, garden layouts and those kinds of things. Um, and we'll be doing some animal management uh, printables. And um, so a variety of different things. If there's something in particular that you want to see included, Brian at the homesteadjourney.net is my email address. Let me know. And I would also love feedback from you uh, as we move forward with this. But again, if you're interested in trying it out, the homesteadjourney.net slash printables is how you can sign up. And in this first packet is going to be a section about SMART goals and how you can go through and kind of use uh, SMART to help you really refine those goals. There's a, a page that has um, information that you would want to have about your homestead, your zone, first average frost date, last average frost date, all those kinds of things where you can jot that in. And so hopefully you will find this helpful and let me know if there is anything in particular that you would like um, to have included, and I will do my best to, uh, to include it. So that's this week's episode. I hope that you have found it helpful. If you've enjoyed it, let me know, Brian at the homesteadjourney.net. If you haven't, let me know. If you've got questions, comments, anything at all, I would love to hear from you. Again, our website address is the homesteadjourney.net thehomesteadjourney.net slash printables to sign up for the Homestead Planner. As always, the music on this week's episode was provided by audionautics.com. And until next time, everybody, keep up the good work. <laughs>